Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. When he's healed, when he's prosperous, when he has possessions and power, people are coming, looking at him. Pretty soon it's, hey, everything's all right. I've got it under control here. Where are you tonight? So you have to look at your own life. I have to look at my life. Why do most countries fall? I just said it. Why is this nation in danger? I just said it. Because we think we're the answer to the problem. No, God's the answer. You probably don't have to think too hard to remember a time when you really blew it with God, right? Maybe you didn't set out to get carried away with pride or to be fixated on that bigger house and consumed with greed. But our flesh often leads the way if it's left unchecked. As we'll see today, in the case of Hezekiah, God is a merciful Father. When you go to Him with a spirit of repentance, He responds with love, even though our sin can leave a residue of consequences. What's most important is that you are reconciled to Him. Especially when our days are limited and our time is short, we should seek to serve Him as long as we're still breathing. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 32, verse 25, for our continuing study entitled, The Ups and Downs of Life. Hezekiah asked Isaiah, here's this great man of God, has seen all these things, and he says to Isaiah, well, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? I would have probably said to him, you'll be alive tomorrow. I mean, what what other sign do you need? But I'm glad I wasn't there. And, uh, And that I will go to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now. What do you really see here? Well, I think what you really see here is us. We see humanity. Hezekiah was a godly man, but he showed his humanity. Can you relate? I mean, God's been gracious to me. I mean, God's proven things over and over in my life, but sometimes I still, I'm going to be a man. It's, it's easier to walk by sight than it is by faith. Hezekiah says, well, it sounds good, but what's the proof? Well, remember what the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I also remember, and as we go through this, remember one day Jesus said to Simon, Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets down. Simon, being like all of us, said, well, Master, we worked all night. We're the fishermen. You're not. We haven't caught anything. But then he said something very wise. Because you say so, or at your word, I will let the nets down. See, we want to do at your word, God. I'll do it. You're telling me to do it? At your word. I don't understand how it's going to work, but at your word, I'll do it. You remember that night, they caught so many fishes, the nets began to break. So it's about the word of God. Verse 9, Isaiah answered, This is the Lord's sign to you, that the Lord will do what he promised. Shall the shadow, the shadow knows. This is where that that whole series can't know it, isn't that all? (laughs) 
This is the law. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps? Or shall it go back 10 steps? You see, this was a sundial. Sundials were kind of invented by the uh, Babylonians. There was all kinds, and this evidently was some kind of a staircase that was built there. And the, the shadow that would be cast on it would it'd be your Timex in those days. Tell you what would happen. So Isaiah says, well, here's what God's do. Would you, would you like it to go ahead to 10 degrees, or would you like it to go back 10 degrees? Your, the choice is yours. I don't know, interesting comment in verse 10. It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps. In other words, that's the way it always goes. If we wait long enough, the sun's going down, the shadow's going to go up. He said this, rather, a little more difficult to turn the clock back, to turn the sun back, to make it go back 10 steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the 10 steps it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Now how did that happen? There's some commentators that believe it was just a local thing that they saw right there. There's many other commentators believe it was kind of a worldwide thing. And Pastor Chuck has an illustration, he uses it, but a lot of other people have used it before, that we remember that the earth is on a, is rotating on an axis. So, I mean, could God have just suddenly stepped in, you know, if I have this ball spinning here and just kind of put my hand on it for a moment, it slows it down, and then you let it and it goes back again. I don't know, but it's an interesting thing as I was reading Pastor Chuck's thing. You ever been on one of those, what are they, little, like a little merry-ground, but they're not. You get on that sucker and, you, and somebody stops it real quick. What happens? The kids go, bing, all of it. Well, can you imagine stopping the earth? Bing, here goes all the people out into space. We all would have been space cadets or whatever. How did that not happen? God. Now, see, if you, if you can get by this, you have no problem with this. You said, this is impossible. Now, Pastor Mark, now, really, this is against the laws of physics. No kidding. <laughs> That's why it's a miracle. I mean, how do you get Lazarus out of the grave after been dead all those days? It's against the laws of physics. It's not against the laws of God. See, in the beginning, God. If you and I can accept that, the rest is kind of easy. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. You see, our concept of God is about this big. One of the things I'm excited about is when we get to heaven, our natural mind certainly would be blown by what we see and what in the world God has created. It's amazing. So just take your concept of God and go, this is okay. It's all right. I don't have a problem with it. God's a big God. It's going to work. That's why it's a miracle. That's why God heals. How can you take some figs and put it on here? And he's healed. It's because of God. It goes against the laws of physics. It's impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. How do you have a lady, a young woman, 12, 13, 14, never had sexual relationships, has a baby in her womb? It's against the law of physics. You got it. That's because it's God. So see, we got to be God, don't we? We're not God. Relax. God's God. Let's let him be God. Just believe it. And you believe it? That's what's faith. It's not weird. Just faith. Verse 25, Hezekiah's heart. Now, after all this happened, interesting, Hezekiah's heart was proud. We're back in, by the way, Second Chronicles. Sorry. That was a miracle. Chapter 32, verse 25. We're going to get to chapter 33 in a moment. 
But Hezekiah's heart was proud. He did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Now think about this for a moment. Here we have this incredible high in the spiritual life of Hezekiah. I mean, we just saw a wonderful Shennacherib, a wonderful victories. Then we see this miracle healing. He's given 15 years to live. And what's he do with the extra years? Starts downhill. And you're going to see during this time, his son Manassas is born. And you're going to see the way Manasseh starts out. Maybe he shouldn't have asked for the 15 years. See, God really knows when we should be out of here. And I don't want to be here one day longer than God wants me here. So we don't really know, but this is very interesting. Here's on this great spiritual high, and then he goes down low. I want you to skip verse 26, and I want to read all the way down 27 through 31. You're going to see why his heart became proud, and he didn't respond to God's kindness. Verse 27, Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made treasuries for his silver and gold and for the precious stones, spices, shields, all kinds of valuables. He also made buildings to store the harvest of grain, new wine and oil, and he made stalls for various kinds of cattle and pens for the flocks. He built villages and acquired great numbers of flocks and herds, for God had given him great riches. It was Hezekiah who blocked the upper outlet of the Gihon Spring and channeled the water down to the west side of the city of David. He succeeded in everything he undertook. But when the envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that had occurred in the land, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. What happened? What caused Hezekiah to go from here down to this super low of just basically forgetting God, being very prideful. Really three things, the very same kind of things that we struggle with. He became self-conscious. He was wise. He thought, well, I blocked the water, so that's why the victory. I have all of these things. Look at me. And now I'm healed, and people are coming and looking at me and going, wow, tell us about that miracle. Well, you know, I, I was a very spiritual man, and I prayed in faith, and all the focus went from God to Him. When we begin to brag on ourselves and not God, start sliding. We're going down. See, pride is there. And I read something in an old, old, old commentary today, just today. Let me read it to you. It's fabulous. The sunshine of prosperity is a greater danger than the storms of adversity. Wow. Let me read it again. The sunshine of prosperity is a greater danger than the storms of adversity. This is exactly what happened in Hezekiah's life. When he was going through it, when he said, man, we're never going to win in this battle. We don't know what we're going to do. God, I got this thing and I'm death. You just told me I'm going to die. I don't know what I'm going to do. He's depending on God. He's weeping. He's crying. His face is against the wall. When he's healed, when he's prosperous, when he has possessions and power, people are coming, looking at him. Pretty soon it's, hey, everything's all right. I've got it under control here. Where are you tonight? 
So you have to look at your own life. I have to look at my life. Why do most countries fall? I just said it. Why is this nation in danger? I just said it. Because we think we're the answer to the problem. No, God's the answer. See, the sin nature is self, not God. It's always self. Do we as Christians have to worry about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what is the response to all of this? The response basically is verse 26. Look what happens. Then, after all of these things, then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people in Jerusalem. Therefore, here's a picture of grace. The Lord's wrath did not come upon them during the days of Hezekiah. So this godly man had been on this roller coaster riding high with God. He got his eyes off God, put them on himself. I can accomplish this myself. I don't need your help. Everything I've done is me. I'm the man. Boom. Here it goes. When he gets down here, he goes, I'm not responsible for this. I do need your help. I humble myself. I repent. God's grace came and what? He's back up again. That's that roller coaster that I'm talking about tonight. That will happen in your life. It will happen in my life. It's a danger, and I remind the staff often, when we're in, quote, times of prosperity spiritually in this church, we have to remember all the glory goes to God. It doesn't go to a man, doesn't go to a system, is isn't because there's a Calvary Chapel stuck outside. It has really nothing to do with the buildings. It has to do with God and His power and His grace in our life. Don't forget it. You don't invite people here to see a man or an orchestra or a choir or whatever. You invite them here to meet God because that's the solution to our problems tonight. Now, verse 32. The other events of Hezekiah's reign and acts of devotion are written in the, in the vision of the prophet Isaiah. When we get to Isaiah, we'll read more of this again and remind you again. Why, why would God put this three times in the Bible? Come on, God. Where's your memory? He puts it three times in the Bible because what? Where's our memory? That's the problem. Verse 33, Hezekiah rested with his fathers on the hill. Now, chapter 33. Manasseh, his son, was 12 years old when he became king. Now, he reigned some, co-reigned with Hezekiah. And he reigned in Jerusalem, long time here, 55 years. You'd be surprised at the next verse. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations, the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had demolished. He also erected altars to the Baals and made Asheroth poles. He bowed down to all the starry hosts and worshipped them. Now, just to show you how the Bible fits together, look at Deuteronomy 4.19. Look at God said. This was is, this is a command to the children of Israel. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. So God had warned, don't play around with the stars. You play around with me, the maker of the stars. Here we go. This is known, but here Manasseh, is going to do exactly opposite of what God wanted. Verse 4, he built altars in the temple of the Lord, on which the Lord had said, My name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to all the starry hosts. 
He sacrificed his sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft, and consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking him to anger. So here you see again, look at verse 6. Is anything in verse 6 being practiced today on our televisions? Yes. Notice, he practiced sorcery, trying to gain power from the evil spirits, divination, trying to interpret the future with omens. I was watching something the other night, one of the channels I flipped through. I don't even know what program it was. I turned off because it drove me crazy. Here's a lady trying to contact her son, I think it was, who had died years earlier. Here was a guy who said, I can do that. I can get you in touch. It's, it's happening because people don't understand this. Notice witchcraft, trying to control others through communication with the evil spirits. And there's the mediums and spiritualists trying to seek the dead. That's exactly what was happening the other night at one of the cable stations. Somebody was trying to seek and contact the dead. All of these practices that you see in verse 6 were employed in the pagan world. God knew that. So he said to the children of Israel, you, you can't be in the world's mold. Romans chapter 12. You have to be different than the world. You don't serve pagan God. You serve me, the living God. So God reminds these people, had reminded these people that they were evil practices. God alone knows the future. God wants to be the source of our wisdom, how to do life right. That's why the whole book of Proverbs for us. So when you see these things, our world today kind of goes, eh, they're just innocent games. They are not innocent games. Satan is very real. It's not the Satan we're talking about with a like a red suit and a pitchfork. Satan is real. Many, many things happen in these all these all these evil things that are going on there. God knows that Satan's powerful. You don't want to play with these things. Verse 7. Then he carved an image he had made, put it in God's temple, of which God had said to David and his son Solomon, in this temple in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribe of Israel, I'll put my name forever. So probably the most disastrous thing he did, even considering all that, we set, he set up an image to a pagan God within the temple of God. Where God had already said, remember in Exodus, you'll have no other gods before me. So he doesn't have only a God on a hill somewhere, takes this image, puts it in the temple. Incredibly blasphemous to God. Now, when you see all of this, what happens? Verse 8, I will not again make the feet of the Israelites leave the land I assigned to your forefathers. If only they will be careful to do everything I commanded them. But Manasseh, notice, but Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. That's God's interpretation. That's impossible for us to understand, isn't it? All these pagan nations that were there, all this junk that they did, here it all comes, not just being conformed a little bit to the image of the world. Here it comes. And the nation of Israel under Manasseh does more than the pagan nations did. God, obviously, being a jealous God, 
really at great difficulty. Now, how did that happen? How did a son of a great king, a son of Hezekiah, who, who lived all these years, do you think Hezekiah ever said to his son, you know, the reason I'm living, God gave me 15 more years. I was supposed to die. Do you know about this tunnel that's down in the spring of Gahan? God gave me the wisdom to... All of those things the son heard. Son saw his father's failure. Son saw his father's humility. Paid no attention. Did his own thing. What does that mean tonight? It means this. As parents, we have a great responsibility to our children. Those of you that are parents here. Young children all the way up. If you have young kids tonight, you can't wait till they're 13 to begin showing them godliness. It must start here. When they're very young. In fact, if you're pregnant tonight, begin praying that God's hand will be on your child. And see, from our home, and one of the couples that I was doing premarital counseling with, you know, we asked a lot of different things in there. One of the things I say to them always is, what do you expect of your spouse spiritually? And of course, we have lots of new couples that are really young in the Word, and I love it because it's changing their lives. And what, what do you expect of your spouse spiritually tonight? Well, uh, the wife is going to say, I hope my, my husband's going to be the spiritual leader of the home. Let me ask you guys. Is that happening? That should be a good expectation. It's God's expectation. The wife, husband, what do you expect of that wife? To be a godly woman. To help me, to encourage me, to work together as a team. And quite often we'll, we'll hear that with couples. Well, when I kind of want to sleep in and she wants, and she doesn't or whatever and we're too busy. I want the other one to chide me to go. Right on. So we can do that, but when it comes all down to it, when our children get to an age of accountability, they must choose. It's a hard thing. They have to choose. Some of you have prodigal sons and daughters. You're going to see in a moment. Hang on. Keep praying. Invite them to church this weekend if they're around. Don't give up. We can't force anybody, but we sure can set an example. Hezekiah set a pretty good example. Had just a couple downtimes. Great man. His son doesn't seem to be sensitive to God's thing. So we see three things. The power of choice. The benefits we'll I'll talk about at the end of daily submitting to God and the necessity of quickly repenting. That's what Hezekiah did. But what happened? Manasseh doesn't pattern his life after it. Look at verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. This is a danger tonight. As you're here, as you're listening to the Word of God, you're doing great. I just made some statements. If you're a husband or wife, will you pay attention to that? That was God speaking to you, to me. Will you pay attention? You go home, just do your own thing. Notice verse 10. In that state... This is encouraging to me. In that state of incredible evil, God is still what? Speaking to their heart. Why? God's heart is for nobody to be lost. He's still speaking to them. But they did not pay attention to God. So, what does that mean tonight? It just means this for us. Comes a time in our lives when God will stop speaking. At the end of Second Chronicles chapter 32, Hezekiah repented of his pride, and the Lord spared Judah from his wrath. But Hezekiah's son did not serve the Lord. He undid all the work his father had done to rid Judah of pagan worship. 
As Pastor Mark told us, it's vital that God be our source of wisdom and not false religions or prophets. When Judah was attacked, Manasseh was taken prisoner and given plenty of time to think about his life. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866 877-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, Manasseh is in prison. He will have time to consider his actions against God. We'll see how situations in our own lives give us time to consider our relationship with the Lord and provide an opportunity to hear from Him. Even though Manasseh sinned against God, we'll see that it's not how you begin your life, but how you ultimately end that matters. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.